I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And And you're you're listening listening to to Rad Child Child Podcast. So uh, this week, just with, you know, everything that's been going on in the world, uh, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, the pandemic and some good books for opening up a conversation about what's going on with kids. And luckily, uh, a lot of people have been putting out really amazing resources, um, just like incredibly fast. (laughs) Um, It's really quite amazing, you know, between like people self-publishing things and, um, you know, people, uh, you know, making things like social stories and people doing, uh, you know, actual, you know, not like actual publishers, but you know what I mean? Like publishers putting things out as well. Mm. Um, It's been really kind of phenomenal how many every day people are sending me links to new books. Um, And if you uh, want the full list at least as far as I know uh, um, of, of books that exist about about this, you can go on radchildpodcast.com uh, under book recs and you can check that out there. But today we're going to talk about some of our favorites. Um, so I guess I'll start. Yes. I'm already do. talking anyway. <laughs> and I, I just want to say, Seth, like it is such yes. an amazing list that you've curated um, on that, on your website. Like it's, it's oh, a really valuable you. resource. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Well, I just kept, you know, I am a part of a couple of um, Facebook groups for children's books and sort of children's book resources. And uh, I had asked people, you know, hey, do you have any resources to talk to kids about this topic? Expecting, you know, books that had been written for other things um, that you know, we're still be repurposed. Valuable, yeah. Exactly. For this topic. And so many people linked me to different things, but it was, I found such trouble, like, you know, let's say the next day I wanted to find that book. If I searched the title and the author on Google, it wouldn't even come up. Like I mm-hmm. needed to know where the specific link was. Um, and it was so hard to find them. Uh, and there were such good resources that I, you know, so I tried to put them all in one. That's just like, I'm an organizer at heart. So I just want everything in one place. Like I'm the kind of person who goes to the grocery store and I'm like, why is this here? But also in that aisle, they should be in the same, just because these are vegan chips and these are regular chips, put all the chips together. Um, (laughs) Oh, it makes me so angry. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm glad that people are able to have that as a resource because I know that when I was trying to find them, it was kind of a pain. Right. Um, and it's like you go through all the trouble of making a book and no one can find it. It's like, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, I want to start by talking about uh, a book that was made for this specific purpose. And it is called Stay Inside, Little Mouse. Uh, and it is written and illustrated by Liz Russell, um, who is primarily an illustrator. She was actually on the show for this episode. So you, you will have already heard from her and know a little bit about this, but I'm going to go into a little bit deeper detail about what I like about it. So basically, um, it's the story of a little mouse, as you can imagine. Um, and, you know, this little mouse wants to go outside and play. And, you know, the mother sort of says, oh, no, we can't we can't go outside because there's a virus around. And. Uh, we have to stay inside, and she's sort of explaining how how germs spread. And there's this really um, there's this really lovely spread illustration where they're talking about sort of quarantine, and it's, it sort of says a fancy word for staying inside or something like that. And uh, it shows you know one mouse, and it's very cute because the little germs are little green mice germs. <laughs> 
They're like little green mice. And so it shows one mouse who's sick and has little green mice around it, little green germs, and the other mouse around it getting the germs from them. And then the next you know, page shows a box representing a house around the sick mouse and a box around the other mice. So you, so you can see very easily how staying inside can help stop spreading germs, which I really liked. Um, and then it talks about, you know, doing practical things we can do, like wash our hands, cough into our elbows, things like that. Um, but really, the thing that I liked about this book that made it stand out to me from other books was then after it sort of goes into the practicals of like, why do we have to stay inside? What can we do? What's a virus? You know, all this kind of like very informational kind of uh, stuff, factual stuff. Then it starts to talk about, well, while we're inside, what are some ways we can have fun? Uh, and, you know, it has examples of like, we could, you know, we can paint, we can paint a picture, we could bake cookies, we could build a fort, uh, you know, and so it has all these practical ideas of, of fun things that we could do, we could read a book, all this kinds of stuff. Um, and then at the end of the book, you know, and it, there's this little spread of, of little mouse doing all things, having a pillow fight with their mom, doing a little in, in a little ballet skirt, dancing with their mom. They're like in a little superhero uh, cape. And the mom was like, you know, spinning them around, playing, playing a mandolin, doing uh, origami, all these different little fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the at the end of the book, what I what I really like is that um, little little mouse then says, you know, I can't wait to you know, see what all my friends discovered and share what I discovered, you know, and how much fun I had. Um, and so I really liked the sort of positive and optimistic spin on it. Um, and that it was a narrative story as opposed to just a book that's like, here's some information, which are also very helpful. Um, and I'm honestly usually a fan of those types of books, but this book I, I just really, really liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so, you know, my uh, my sort of, I talked about it a little bit, but my way to go is are, I really like that they use the real words. Like they talk about quarantine, they explain it in a very easy way. Um, they're talking about viruses, they're explaining it in a very simple way. Um, and with images accompanying it, you know, it talks about the things we can do to stay safe because I, you know me, I like my practicality in books. It's like, okay, that's great. There's a problem. What can I do? Um, and like I said, it talks about mostly what I liked about it was that it talks about how we can have fun. Um, also, the illustrations, I mean, she's an illustrator by trade, so the illustrations are, are great. They're super cute there. Um, it's sort of like in a scrapbook style where, like, the images are sort of taped on. Um, and, and that reminds me of, like, I don't know, I'm thinking about, um, uh, you know, when you are inside, that could be an activity to do to make, like, a little photo book or something. So I sort of thought it, like, went with the theme. Oh, that's um, sweet. I love that. Yeah, well, I was thinking, it's funny, this is actually another resource, but there is, it's not a book book, but there is a, uh, it's also on the list on the website, but there is, under other resources, there's a My COVID-19 Time Capsule mm-hmm. um, that was created by Shaz Lamba, and uh, it's a free activity, you can just uh, go on the link and download the pages, but my wife and I literally did it together. <laughs> we like it's meant for children. It's like, but it's so cute because it's like it's that idea of like how you know you could put some pictures or, or newspaper clippings or like it's essentially like a little mini scrapbook, and then it has pages like, well, how are you feeling right now? And you can like it's a little face, and you could draw how you're feeling, or you could circle the emotion. There's like different faces um, of a range from happy to sad, and some things in between, and uh, and you can name the emotions, and you can say what you learned and um you know all all these kinds of cute things but that's what it made me think about sort of 
the scrapbooky style made me think about um, doing that little activity. Uh, also, what <laughs> there's a thing that's like, what have you learned? And you know what I learned is that one of the pages <laughs> on the scrapbook was like, you do the handprints of everyone in your house. And we tried to get the bunnies paw prints, but they don't have toe beans. Bunnies don't have toe beans like cats or dogs. Oh. So yeah. So it didn't work because it was just fur. It's just like a blur of fuzz. Yeah. So that's what I learned. <laughs> like, um, What's wrong with our rabbits? <laughs> with your feet? Oh my gosh. But anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I really like both of those resources. That's like a two for one because I snuck in the other one. Mm. Um, the only real uh, room to grow I have for Stan's Sad Little Mouse is that the rhyming is a little forced. Um it's it's funny because I was talking with the you know the author was very sweet and when I asked for the PDF of the book, um, she was like, oh you know this is my first book please tell me like if there's any if you have any like constructive criticisms like let me know and I told her that she was like yeah I know <laughs> so like <laughs> she's so aware of you know it's not like she thinks she put out the most perfectly constructed book in the whole world um, right, so she's, right she's aware of that which I appreciate she's like yeah that's definitely something I have to work on so um it made me be less mad at it <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay. Um, and it's, you know, it's like, it's something you just have to, if you're a perfectionist like you and I, then um, I feel like we, well, it's also kind of like our job to try and find like something to say, right, right. you know? And I, I also feel like um, in ge- like, generally speaking, I'm that kind of person who's like, there's always something we can improve on. Um, but it certainly doesn't make it, uh, you know, I still think it's one, it's one of my favorite resources and I still definitely highly recommend it. Our um, feedback is, is meant with love mm-hmm. most of the time. Absolutely. Um, otherwise it would be a different kind of podcast. It would just be <laughs> we Rebecca, could do and, <laughs> Rebecca and Seth tear apart books. <laughs> no, that was, that was the sex episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we oh, need like- to to give warnings when warnings are due but um, yes absolutely well, the, well i agree with you that in this case the the rhyming is quite forced and then kind of falls apart and then comes back um the overall message is and the illustrations are are make this a valuable, a valuable yeah absolutely um and then the next book that i want to talk about is called the breaking news um and that is by sarah lynn rule and uh it was published by roaring book press and uh, it's a really sweet, sweet story. It was actually created uh, quite a while ago. I want at least a couple of years. I forget the exact date, um, but it's several years old. And uh, it, yeah, I wanted to say tw- 2018, but you might be right. It was somewhere around there, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but at any rate, so it's one of those books that while it was created, you know, just in general for, you know, bad news and things that were happening, um, not one specific event, it can definitely be used for all sorts of different things. And I think it's really applicable to what's going on right now. Uh, and so basically it's a little narrative story where the, um, the, there's this family and they're sitting at the kitchen table in the beginning of the story. And, uh, and there's a TV in the kitchen and they're sort of potting a little potted plant. They're watering it and they, um, and then all of a sudden there's this bad, there's this breaking news. There's this bad news that comes on the TV and, you know, everyone sort of turns to the TV and the plant gets knocked over in the, uh, in all of the sort of fuss of this. 
and you know and then it sort of goes through and it shows you know the the parents are very the kids are it's from the the uh older sister's perspective there's an older sister and a younger brother and it's from the older sister's perspective and she's noticing that the parents are really upset and they're really worried and they're on their phone you know they're glued to their phones they're glued to the tv you know with this news that's happening and um and so then they go to school and the teacher says, even when the news is bad, you can still find good people trying to make things better in big ways and small ways. So the little girl, you know, was like, I'm going to try and help in big ways. And she does all these things. Like she tries to invent a force field for her family, you know, to like, she has like sketches of a force field protecting her whole family. Right. Or uh, she tries to like put on a funny show for her parents, but they're distracted. And, uh, and, you know, when nothing seems to work, she says, you know, well, maybe I can do a small thing. Right. And so she sees that plant that was in the first uh the first image and it sort of is starting to wilt and so she she waters it and she gives it some sunlight she pushes a curtain aside and you know and then you know it shows her doing other series of other small things like uh reading to her little brother and playing with the dog and you know just like all these little things and um and so then they, she sort of rallies the family together uh, with this, this rejuvenated plant and they go and they get a bunch of gardening supplies together and they go and they pot a bunch of plants and they sort of give them to everybody, you know, on their block. Uh, oh. And the last, and the last page says, small things don't solve everything. The bad news is still there after all, but then again, so are we. Um and so I really, I really liked that. It was just like a really, it was a really sweet story. I also, my sort of way to go is I, I liked, it's a multiracial family, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, that I like that, again, it could be used for sort of any kind of bad news. So it's a valuable book to have on the shelf, I think, because unfortunately, probably <laughs> there's going to be more bad news at some point um, <laughs> in, you know, in the life of of anyone. Uh, and so I think it's a valuable book to have because it could be used for so many different things. And I just like the, again, it has a really positive, um, you know, theme about it where, you know, even during bad times, there are still people doing good things. And, and this idea that we don't need to help in a huge way to be able to make a difference, because I think sometimes, you know, especially now, like, uh, I think kids often want to be helpers. They want to know, well, what can I do? What can I do to help? And so I think, you know, it's really useful to know that like, even those little things we're doing, like washing our hands, like wearing a mask, like staying inside, like those are, you know, really important, even though they feel like small things, you know, you don't, you know, so I like that idea. Right. And that there's room to be aware of the breaking news and to be processing these, these negative things and these scary things while also um, valuing community and taking the time to do these little things that might feel extraneous right like like bringing a potted plant to a neighbor it might not feel like it's solving something but it's it's a valuable there's room for both there's there's space in our lives for those little moments of joy and recognizing the scary things at the same time yeah absolutely and I think it just reminds me of you know like here in Montreal um there's a movement that's going on and I know it's I believe it started in Italy in fact but it's going on in other places in the world where we're putting rainbows in our windows like you know a lot of time kids or who I mean I'm not a kid and I made mine it's very glittery and beautiful my wife and I made it together um but everyone's putting rainbows in their window and with the word va bien aller which means it's going to be okay or every things going to be okay um 
And so it's sort of like a way for us to all be connected, even though we're separate in our separate homes. And like, even when I go for walks with the kids, like, we'll, uh, you know, we'll sort of spot the rainbows and try to see how many we can find. And, um, and so that, you know, it's making me think of that too, of like the little ways that we're still trying to like be able to connect with one another and do things like that. Um, because I think that that, you know, the one, the one difference from the book, right. Then what's going on right now is right. With like doing nice things for our neighbors might be a little bit harder as a practical thing. Yeah. Right. But um, I know just the other day, our, our battery to our car died, which happens very often uh, because our car is very silly. And um, Kat found someone and was like, can you give me a boost? And they were like, no COVID stay away from me. She was just like, okay. Right. Yeah, I was like, it's like you need to get that close to give someone a boost. Right. Like, you don't need the it's whole like hand. A car length between you. Right. Oh my gosh, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, but like, of course, I still respect people's, you know, fear, like whatever. Right, um, right. But, we don't know but that coming from and what they're. Yes, own. exactly, exactly. Uh, Everyone. Uh, what something that I learned a long time ago is that when people, the way people act, is mostly about them and very little, you know, not very often about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yes uh but but at any rate so i think um but i still like this idea of sort of the small things that we can do and you know and even like in the book the small thing was just like reading to her little brother or playing with her dog you know it was like things that were bringing people joy and giving her something to do and the idea also of helping someone else making us feel better Mm because i think that that is a good way like even that's a coping mechanism for things like anxiety or other things it's like when you're feeling down about yourself to um help someone else and think about someone else so even like things like writing writing letters to essential workers or you know uh, things like that that we can we can do to thank other people for doing that kind of work is a way a it's just a fun activity you get to make a card um <laughs> so that takes up some time <laughs> Um, and B is like a way to be thankful and bring, you know, lift up other people. So I think that there are a lot of practical things that we can do. Um, and those that are those little kind of small things. So I really liked that one. Honestly, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just, I really liked it. Yeah. It's very (laughs) Um, well done. Yeah. And the illustrations are super cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. Oh, all right. Oh, Thank you. Two great books. Yeah, so I would love to hear about yours. All right. Well, I also have two books to share today. One that yeah. was written in direct response to the the coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. and one that I think can be well, like, um, kind of adapted or appropriated or, or thought of as kind of an allegory for the experience um, mm-hmm. that I would like to share with you today. Yay, I'm excited. So, yeah, so I'll start with um, the one that was written in direct response to the pandemic. It is called Coronavirus, a book for children. And mm. it was put out by um, Nosy Crow Publishers, which is mm-hmm. a publishing house in the UK. And so it was written by um, members of that staff. So they kind of came together and said, let's get something out. So it was written by Elizabeth Jenner, Kate Wilson, and Nia Roberts. And they reached out to Axel Scheffler, who is the illustrator of the Gruffalo. The Gruffalo, right? right? Yeah. And Room on a Broom. Um, 
uh, Room on the Broom, and all sorts of really familiar and popular titles. So they reached out to Axel Scheffler, who was happy to contribute illustrations, and they also reached out to um, Professor Graham Medley, um, who is a mm. professor of infectious disease modeling at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical oh, Medicine awesome. as a consultant on the book. It's always nice when they have a consultant on a book if the author isn't, you know, an expert on the topic. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it is, it takes the form of questions and answers. Uh, so it begins with, there's a new word you might have heard. You might have heard people talking about it, or you might have heard it on the news. This word is the reason that you're not going to school. It's the reason you can't go outside very often or visit your friends. It might be the reason why the grown-up or grown-ups who look after you are at home. The word is coronavirus. Um, and so it goes through a series of questions. And the, um, the illustrations have a lot of great incidental representation, there are folks who use wheelchairs. There are folks who, um, uh, there are uh, people of color. There are there's someone with a, a cochlear implant, I believe. Yeah, there's blended families, um, people of all ages and body types. So I like the incidental representation in this book, um, and it is very much an information book. Um, some of the questions that they answer include what is the coronavirus. Um, how do you catch the coronavirus? What happens if you catch the coronavirus? Um, and so throughout, there are some bolded terms um, like virus, which they define in a really accessible way, and antibodies that they define in a really accessible way, um, and one, ventilator. I, oh, yes. Oh, the one thing I wanted to say also is that uh, in it, in addition with the, um, just to add on to the variety of um, diversity in the book, there's also um, like doctors who are people of color and, you know, women who are, you know, in positions of power as doctors and things like that. So I really appreciated that as well. Totally. Like, I think they're actually like, I, I'm not counting here, but most of the doctors I'm seeing are either women, people of color or both, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just... Um... Yeah, it's very obviously seamless, just like it is in the actual world. Um, mm -hmm. And so yeah. that is really nice. That yeah, that it is. doesn't feel forced at all. Yeah. It just yeah. feels like people being people. <laughs> exactly. And women and people of color being in power as they should be. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, I like in particular the way that they describe um, – the transmission of the virus and the way that they show, let's see, I'm going to scroll back up to this page. I'm looking at this on my computer. Um, something that I thought was really helpful was that the way that they address the question, how do you catch the coronavirus? Mm. Um, and they say, though you can't see the germs, you can sometimes see, oh, sorry, they, to preface this, they, um, they talk about droplets, right? Drops of water. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've been hearing a lot about, that this is a virus mm -hmm. that's transmitted through droplets. And I think that even for myself, I had a bit of a hard time. Like I understood the idea of someone sneezing and coughing and kind of like the idea of droplets spewing out of their mouth. Like that made sense to me. Um, but uh this book says, though you can't see the germs, you can sometimes see these tiny drops. In cold weather, they make a cloud of steam. And I thought, 
oh, that is such a great visual. And it, it's such a great way to con- like concretize and conceptualize like, okay, these droplets, it's, it's your breath. Like it's the steam out of your mouth is comprised of all of these tiny, tiny droplets. And on each of them, um, that is where these germs can reside. Um, So I, I, you know, I knew that in a conceptual way, but just thinking about the steam, I think really helped it. I read this book with my child and I think we both had like a little bit of an aha moment with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even this morning, my coffee was sitting in the windowsill and my coffee was making steam on the window. And my son said, look, look, there's some of the steam. And then (laughs) joked about coronavirus in my coffee and we had a good laugh, but I think that really resonated with him as well. I love that. Um, so and I, what I what we've noticed in the course of looking at these books is that each of them kind of um, uh, highlights different components of, yeah. of what understand about this virus um, and what might be helpful as background knowledge and context. And so I think if we that, like match them all together, we'd have like one super book that got <laughs> exactly. everything perfect. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but so I think that that is one that this that this book does particularly well. Um, Something else that I'm noticing, and we actually, um, we were talking about this, but that, that you, the idea that everybody was, you know, um, perpetuating like kids being happy that school's closed. I see there's a spread here where there are two kids and one says school's closed, hooray. And the other one says school's closed, boo. Right. So like showing that there's different, you know, that kids can have different feelings about about what's going on. Exactly. So I and really like that. Different feelings about school. Some yes. love school, some don't love school. There's, you know, a, a whole spectrum of responses. <laughs> it's that. like people are different. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking. Um, but, I, but I like that little addition. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and they talk about uh, the people that are, that are still working, and they have mm. spread where it shows um, a delivery person and a cashier and like two two different people in kind of the medical world. Um, and then it does show there is a spread where they begin, it says the question that it's answering is what what's it like to be home all the time? And it mm. begins by saying sometimes being at home with the people you live with can be great fun. So it's kind of taking the, the, the stance that the the default is that this is really fun. Like you kids like being with their parents. They like having Mm -hmm. access to all of their toys all the time. Um, And, but then it's showing also the other emotions that folks might feel Um, boredom, missing friends, feeling angry, feeling sad. And my daughter, my, my son really appreciated the spread where, um, well, they say these are all normal things to feel. And everyone who lives with you probably feels the same way sometimes, even if they try not to show it. And there are three people all saying to themselves, bored, bored. And then the dog is thinking, bored, which (laughs) in my experience, my dog is not feeling bored and is absolutely ecstatic that we're all together. But I can imagine (laughs) that another dog might feel another way. Um, And so then it moves to what can I do to help? and talks about hand washing and talks about how to responsibly cough and blow your nose, um, how you can be a helper in your, in your household by taking, you know, playing well together and pitching in and 
doing distance learning and um, keeping quiet when, when parents and caregivers might need to be working. Um, and then my son, he was kind of, I wouldn't say wandering around the room, but the, the, the text is a little bit wordy and he was a little bit um, starting to get distracted. And then I read the heading, what's going to happen next? And he like jumped onto my lap. Um, so I like that they, that they kind of include a spread that kind of gives a little bit of a mm-hmm. prediction about how this is going to end, because I think that's something that's really on children's minds as well as grownups. Um, and it says, this is a strange time for everybody and it's happening all over the world. But if we are all careful and we all stay at home, we are doing what we can to stop the coronavirus spreading. And that gives the scientists and doctors time to work out how to cure the illness and maybe stop people getting it altogether by using medicine and vaccines. One day, quite soon, although nobody knows exactly when, you'll be able to visit people you love who don't live with you, play with your friends, go to school again and do lots of other things that you enjoy but that you can't do now. And then in big letters, one day this strange time will be over. And on, on the final spread, it shows a group, a group of people, um, lots of incidental representation, all saying, we did it together. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I also I also noticed as I was looking through these illustrations, I appreciate that on one of the pages where the kids are, are playing, uh, there's a little Gruffalo toy in the background. Oh, it's oh, right. a <laughs> little, little Easter egg. There is an Easter egg. Good catch. I did not catch yeah. that. It's funny. It's funny because I'm usually, obviously, when we're doing this, I'm looking at illustrations and I'm looking at words. But oftentimes, when I'm reading to kids, I'm not looking at the illustrations because I'm looking at the words. Mm -hmm. And it was funny the other day. They they're obsessed. The twins are obsessed with cats and dogs. And so I was holding up a page, and they're going meow meow. And I look, and I'm like, you're right. There's a cat on this page. I never noticed that. They see, you know, everybody sees something different. It's so funny. Well, then um, I know that your your charges are a little bit younger, but this this book does feature cats and dogs prominently. So they might have <laughs> title particularly. Um, it's true. It's, There's squirrels too. Right, a theme I've noticed about these about these titles um, that are, have been written in in direct response to the pandemic is this notion, kind of ending on this notion of togetherness. Yeah, um, which is a nice I mean, that both the idea that it takes all of us together to make this happen and to move through this successfully and with it, as little um, tragedy as possible, but also that even in isolation, even in sheltering in place, we are together. Like we, yeah, um, we are a part of a community. I so like that a lot. It's a nice, I, a nice note. On I'm also just noticing in the in the picture where there's a little gruffalo toy the two kids are so two presumably siblings are are playing and one of them is sitting and drawing a picture and she's like mom has asked us to put our toys away and you know the other sibling is like okay i'll sort the books and meanwhile she's just sitting there drawing (laughs) put in some effort help she isn't managing (laughs) Um, i also love the in the um in the spread where we're talking about what else we can do, there's a little girl encouraging the dog to stop barking. Because yes. 
mom is on a Zoom, it appears to be, or <laughs> of some kind. And I just love that, like, first of all, this girl is, you know, at arm's length from her mother. So who's really the problem here? Yep. And the look on the mother's face. Yes. And, like, she is about to tear her hair out. Uh, very yep. subtly, though. It's like she is, like, the, the flames and the coffee cup and the I'm fine. <laughs> bubbling up around her <laughs> it's yes. kind of all of us in that i moment. love that so much it's yeah cool. yeah there's really the illustrations in this are really are really wonderful yeah uh, there's a lot of like emotion and uh just like little things like that that the more you look at it the more you find right right so i yeah. i would say um in a nutshell i think i've, I've made clear my way to goes like let's we're talking about <laughs> the illustrations are delightful the language is really accessible um it is written in a way that like it's it features some really informative uh informative detail uh and it's written kind of directly to the child um kind of in a way that we saw uh the same languaging that we saw in that great that that's uh 70s book on reproduction and mm -hmm. sex um the why my which one was that the peter male one oh which which book was it uh um the book about sex and reproduction by Peter Mayle. I don't kind remember that similar... one. No, we, we, we did it. We reviewed it and we, we thought, um, we, we think it has some, has some, uh, flaws. Folks can go back and listen to that excellent episode, but the language <laughs> feels kind of, um, kind of similarly, uh, direct to the child, respecting the child as able to take in information, but also speaking to them on their level and, and, and using kind of like uh, figurative language and helping make things really concrete. So yeah. I think this book does a nice job with the languaging. Um, and as we said, right. the incidental Certainly. representation is really great. Um, my only room to grow is that it is, um, it does have three authors and an illustrator and a consultant and every, every single one of them appears to be white presenting. Um, there mm. aren't, there are, there are illustrations that include people of color, but there does not seem to have been like the input on the creative process of a person of color. Um, mm. and so I think that would be when we're, when we're yeah, working nice. together and kind of putting a team together to make a project project like this, I think it's important that we get some of that, that representation, um, uh, in the creative process. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, and that's something we've spoken about many, many times. <laughs> Of yes, of course. Also. I'm sure our listeners are tired of us saying it by now, but too bad. Right. It's right. important. We're going to hit you with that every single time. We're always going to notice it. Always. You know, you know how to stop us from saying that? Start giving us the representation exactly. we want, and then we'll stop <laughs> saying it. That's what we want, and we'll stop complaining. It's yes. very simple. Oh, um, my gosh. But anyway, right. I'd love to hear about your other book as well. Yeah. So the other book that I wanted to talk about today is called Hello Lighthouse, and it is written and illustrated by Sophie Blackall, and it was published by Little Brown. And um, this book was the 2019 Caldecott Medal winner. 
So the, the illustrations are, have been deemed highly excellent. And I can attest that in, in Sophie Blackall's style, they are exquisite. Um, and Sophie Blackall is an illustrator of one of our shift book box books for our oh. theme, um, uh, valuing Muslim families and traditions, because she is the illustrator of a book called Big Red Lollipop which was mm. written by Roxana Khan, who actually is a Canadian um, author, a uh, Canadian Muslim author. So we, we are big fans of Sophie Blackall. Um, and this book is highly acclaimed. And it begins on the highest rock of a tiny island at the edge of the world stands a lighthouse. And it is a very kind of quiet and rhythmic story of the experience of the lighthouse keeper. And we see first um, the lighthouse keeper um, tending the light and writing in the logbook um, and uh, living on this very remote, isolated space. And he, it indicates that he wishes for someone to talk to. And there is a tender that brings supplies. And so um, at, on one of these visits, the tender brings his wife. And it's hmm. a little bit unclear. That's a nice surprise. Exactly. <laughs> uh, another essential supply, your beans and your flour and a wife. Um, and it's actually a little <laughs> bit unclear. Um, there, it does make mention of him writing letters to her. So I guess we have to imagine that maybe she, they were already married. Or somewhere and, else. Yeah. Uh, had to, had, was delayed and had to stay behind and now has joined him. It doesn't, doesn't indicate that she's a mail order bride, but hey, who knows? <laughs> No judgment. Um, and oh so then um, at that point, after she arrives, he sets the table for two um, and it continues very rhythmic. We kind of see time passing um, at one point, then disaster strikes and the, the lighthouse keeper and his wife have to save sailors that have been stranded, um, that have, that have crashed on the rocks in spite of the lighthouse. Um, we see the, the, the sea being carpeted with ice. Um, so we see time passing in this very, like, again, very rhythmic kind of quiet way. Um, and then the lighthouse keeper at one point becomes terribly ill and his wife is rushing up and down the stairs, bringing broth and doing the work to tend the light and write in the logbook. And it says that she, she writes in the logbook the minute his fever breaks. Um, and kind of the next event is that they have a child uh, so now there are three living at the lighthouse and the tender mm. is still bringing essentials. Um, and, um, and then at one point the tender, so at the, I think at this point in the story, the tender brings a letter so that the lighthouse keeper has information that the reader does not yet know. Um, and it says that um, our lighthouse keeper tends the light and writes in the log book and knows it's not for long. And it turns out that um, uh, they are transitioning the lighthouse to an electric lighthouse that will no longer require a tender, will no longer require uh. anyone to live there. And so um, then there's this parallel structure 
where we get that first sentence again that kind of brings it full circle and says, um, on the highest rock of a tiny island at the edge of the world stands a lighthouse. And then the lighthouse is saying throughout the book, the lighthouse has said, hello, hello, <laughs> hello, um, as kind of the personification or the of the of the light, you know, circling round and round. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, the lighthouse says hello with a question mark and the book folds out the double page spread actually folds out and you see it cross the water to the land and there's a house and a light shining back at the lighthouse and then on the final spread um, you turn the page and you see the lighthouse keeper and his wife and their child who's now probably five or six um, standing with a lantern on land shining a light out toward the lighthouse with kind Aww. of these contented like happy prideful looks on their faces um and and yeah and then there's um, a lot of really rich back matter about the history of lighthouses um and so the reason that i bring this book up as something that might be a valuable read during this time is this idea of looking at it as an allegory, right? So an allegory of, um, of well, just this idea of staying inside, staying mm-hmm. isolated, um, being with the people that you love, um, receiving <laughs> receiving your essential supplies via delivery <laughs> person. Uh, I think it's so fascinating that they're like this idea of of the sailors crashing. And of course they go out to help because we still want to be helpers and we still help. Mm. Unlike the person that left you stranded with a dead battery, right? Like we, <laughs> we take a little bit of risk if it means saving someone else. And then also yeah. that becomes very ill. I was like, oh, wow. Because I think that there are many people that have obviously family members and, and friends that are falling ill um, yeah. to this virus. Um, so moving through that. And then, um, I don't know, I just think that we can use this story as a reminder to stay the course and to be steadfast in our work and to value our essential workers and to be helper. There's definitely a lot of connections that you can make. Right. Um, And at the time, and I, I love that at the end, they're looking back at the lighthouse, like they're looking back at this time, this period of their lives um, with a lot of pride. And so um, we can remain, the time that we can remain sheltering in place is ultimately um, not for long, right? It's, it's finite. And it's also a time that we can look back on and be, and be proud of the choices that we made um, to, to help protect others. Yeah, I love that. I think that, like I said, I think there's a lot of kind of connections that you can make, um, especially like as soon as you were talking about it in the beginning with like, you know, the idea of the isolation, I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of us can relate to that right now. And there are not a lot of books out there that kind of are, that take up that topic, right? That take up that topic of um, being alone yeah. um, and express loneliness. But I would say more like more so the feeling of the book is very, um, warm and um, cozy. And so uh, being with the people that you love, um, there are not a lot of books that kind of celebrate that, that kind of isolation yeah. as this meaningful, purposeful, valuable thing. 
So this one happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, my only, my room to grow, I will say, and it kind of, um, I guess this is a parallel to my room to grow for the last title. <laughs> um, when, when this book won the Caldecott Medal in 2019, I was a little bit, um, I had really mixed feelings about it because at that time um, it won the medal and there were four honor books mentioned and three of those four honor books are written by women of color. Mm. So Alma and How She Got Her Name by Juana Martinez-Neal was an honor book that year. Uh, Big Mooncake for Little Star by Grace Lynn was an honor book by th- that year. And Thank You, Omu by Oge Mora um, was an honor book that year. And then the mm. fourth was The Rough Patch by Brian Lies, who I believe is a white, a white man. So um, the, my feeling at that time was that these, these really, really beautiful books by women of color had been awarded honors. Yeah. The medal still went to a book that was written by a white woman, but moreover was really um, kind of celebrating this very like kind of white patriarchal, traditional, like New England maritime era. Yeah. It feels very like an era of empire building and the depletion of resources and whaling (laughs) and like, um, you know, uh, oppression of many different marginalized people. And like, it is very much like a white family. There seem to be very traditional gender roles. Like I get that it's of this time, but when but it was like it's one of those like do we need more of this exactly so it it reads to me it has this feel of like a, a barbara cooney um kind of yeah. historical fiction type of a book um capturing this era really beautifully but it feels like do we need to is this the most important book to celebrate this book that feels a little bit dated and a little bit um, like truly holding up a period of time that is so um, heteronormative, patriarchal, gender normative. Well, whenever there are books like that where it doesn't actually matter, I'm like, why couldn't that have been a two mom family or a family of color or someone with a disability? You know what I mean? Like, for a story like that where it's just like a story about a family, like where in uh, the breaking news it was a like a mixed race family. Like, right. Or, you know or what I mean? Could it have been even, I mean, even if you are trying, I mean, wouldn't it have been cool to research and find like the a lighthouse keeper that happened to be like Native yeah. American or black? I mean, who the heck knows? I haven't done my research on maritime history. <laughs> I don't know whether or not such a story existed, but right. Like why not? Um, why not? And if there wasn't, if there wasn't a story that, if there wasn't a true story on which to base it, why not invent one, right? Yeah, Or or take it out of that era and, and add some incidental representation in some way. Yeah, Um, that's... So that, that, that to me is a, a major, it's a, uh, I mean, you can't necessarily, I mean, it's a flaw of the book. It's a flaw of our system. It's a flaw of publishing. I, I think it's a flaw of the Caldecott committee that year to have held this up as the pinnacle 
Yeah. You know, it, it almost seems like more of a, a little bit more of a punch in the gut that the three mm. women of color who were honored were honored. You know, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like it just, it's almost so blatantly like they, and I, I, it would be wrong to say that a Caldecott honor on any level is a consolation prize because it is like such an incredible achievement, but just yeah, kind of the optics of that, that yeah. um, list of winners was a little bit mm. uh, troubling to me. So let's say that in addition to checking out Hello Lighthouse to use during this <laughs> pandemic and to appreciate as a an allegory and a celebration of of, of being isolated and, and working hard and staying the course, please also check out Alma and how she got her name, Big Moon <laughs> Star, and thank you, Omu. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. I'll lift up those other other authors for sure. Yeah, yeah. So those are the books that I wanted to share today. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think that, like I said, I'm just so thrilled that there are so many. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And uh, definitely check out some of the other ones. And we will also uh, tell you a little bit more about some other books that are more uh, specific to talking about sort of the virus and what it is and those kinds of things next time. Um, so uh, be on the lookout for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't wait. Yeah, I know. It's always it's always a fun time mm-hmm. uh, here at Red Child Podcast. It's always a fun time. Um, well, at any rate, uh, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, and I guess I'll see you next time. That's right. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.